Today is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A massive march for Israel in Washington, D.C. Today, we'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and you can email us as well. Quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We check that. So email direct line to us we'd love to hear from you quick start podcast at cbn.org joining me now to get through the news of the crayon this tuesday is billy hallowell trey is actually going to that march we're going to talk about this we have a lot of people from cbn going to cover this we're going to be live later today on our youtube channel to cover it it should be big a lot of people planning on showing up to this march but billy how's it going I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big event, I yeah. think. Huge. Yeah, well, I mean, all we've seen so far on TV are Palestinian protests, pro-Palestinian. So you would think this is a chance, as long as people are aware of it, you'd think they're going to go down to Washington, D.C. So what we're hearing, the numbers are going to be big. But we got a lot to get to on the pod today, including the focus story, a prominent liberal celebrity speaking out against something Obama said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, it's Bill Maher and he is not <laughs> happy. So we will get into what he had to say. Yeah. Very interesting. And on the main thing, we're going to be talking to Lee Strobel. He's investigating. Is God real? I mean, we know the answer to this, but it's great to hear his perspective because for people who are exploring, he's diving into these questions that they have. So it's really great. So all of that and more coming up on the podcast today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And as I mentioned, there's going to be a massive rally for Israel in Washington, D.C. today. I will be hosting our live stream coverage, and we will put a link in the description of this podcast episode so you can go ahead and join us. We'd love to have you with us. You get a look at what's going on there. There's going to be speakers, going to be lots of people there showing their support for Israel, assuming they'll probably be counter protesters as well. The gates are opening at 10 a.m., and according to organizers, they say they're going to bring together communities from across the country to show strong solidarity with the Israeli people. They said they want to march for Israel to free hostages and against anti-Semitism. And the IDF were photographed inside the Hamas parliament building in Gaza yesterday. The soldiers, according to the Jerusalem Post, they took the picture that circulated on social media and showed them posing proudly together holding up Israeli flags. They said Hamas has lost control of Gaza. Terrorists are fleeing southward. Civilians are looting Hamas bases. And Gavin Newsom is going viral for dehumanizing homeless people, likening them to a mess that needs to be cleaned up before important people come over. This is ahead of China President Xi's visit to California. Newsom made the comments after people mockingly noticed the streets in San Francisco suddenly clean with planters lining the sidewalks. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Billy, I got to play you this clip. Obviously, we're going to talk about this March here in just a second, but I want to finish up on this Gavin Newsom stuff because it is miraculous. We've seen the images coming out of California of tent cities, homeless people, drug addicts all over the place there, carjackings, and then all of a sudden, it's miraculously clean and beautiful planters lining the streets and people are asking Gavin Newsom about this. And at first he said, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true that the 
that the homeless people have been cleared out, but it's but it's because it's true. And he had some weird explanation for it that wasn't very good. And so after people criticized that, he doubled down. Here's what he said. Listen to this. Anytime you put on an event, by definition, you know, you have people over your house, you're going to clean up the house. You have 21 world leaders. You've got tens of thousands of people coming from all uh, around the globe. Uh, what an opportunity to showcase the world's most extraordinary place, San Francisco. <laughs> I mean. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how, um, do you, how do you not know this is going to end poorly for you when you talk about people as and you liken them to the trash that needs to be cleaned up? Well, okay, but beyond that, how about you then clean up your city and your state for all the residents who are paying a gazillion dollars a year in taxes to live there? Maybe you should treat them like they're going to a nice gathering and party with all of their tax money that's being doled out. I mean, that, that is so bizarre to me. It's like, oh, we just thought about now i'm not saying that they've done all the right things here to quote unquote clean it up but no, we just we don't even know where things, they are yeah right right we, we just did this to make things look nicer nice because there was an occasion yeah yeah there was yeah. an occasion to do it yeah we don't really care oh about these people gosh. all around. yeah it's very it, it's not a good look and i think this may be one of the reasons why gavin newsom sounds good in theory to democrats on paper to be a potential replacement if President Biden decides not to run for, for re-election, but this this sort of thing may be the reason why, in a hypothetical poll, Newsom performed even worse than Biden did in a head-to-head hypothetical matchup against former President Trump. But all right, um, but yeah, I want to mention this march because it is happening tomorrow or today, Billy, later today, and we'll be covering it. I will be hosting our live stream coverage on the YouTube channel link in the description of this podcast. And look. As I mentioned, all of the images you've been seeing now, what are they? Have you seen pro-Israel marches going on? You haven't seen any. And so I would think that this turnout is going to be pretty big today. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the estimates on the official paperwork for the permit, from what I understand, it was 60,000 on the mall where they're hosting this event and an additional 40,000 outside of that. I mean, that's 100,000 people potentially that they're expecting. Now, that doesn't mean that's what they're going to get. Right. But but I do think there are a lot of frustrated people watching the media response, watching what's going on and feeling like we need to go, we need to show up and make our voice heard for the truth and for what's happening in Israel. And so yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. And so hopefully we see all of you there with us on our live stream coverage here coming up shortly. We're going to move on to our focus story now. And some of that frustration comes from people like the former president, Barack Obama, who made comments about Israel. And even people like on the on the Democrat side of the aisle, like comedian Bill Maher, said he's disappointed in the former president for what he said. So what's the story here? Yeah, so, you know, President, former President Barack Obama made some comments about Israel, about Hamas, the current crisis in the Middle East, and Bill Maher reacted to those. And these comments, you know, really, I mean, we, I guess we can just get into what Obama said. Let's just start there. Yeah. He was on a podcast, pod, he was on Pod Save America recently, and he said, all of us are complicit, referring to the increased violence that we're seeing in the Middle East right now. And he said, what Hamas did was horrific, and there is no justification for it. And what is also true is that the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is unbearable. If you want to solve the problem, then you have to take in the whole truth. And then you have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that mm-hmm. all of us are complicit to some degree. So those are the comments. They they made a lot of headlines. And outside of Bill Maher, which we'll get into in a moment, this is a diversion from what 
Biden's saying and what the Biden administration is saying. He he seems here to be diverting from that support for Israel to say, well, it was a terrible event, but, you know, there's a big but here, right? Right. right. It's complicated is the line. I've heard this in a few different forms from different people, and it uh, and it seems to frustrate a lot of people who are supporting Israel at this time. So what about the comments frustrated Mar the most, though? So, you know, Bill Maher said, you know, and it's interesting because he even tried to be fair in how he framed it. He's like, they're not horrible comments, but they're not helpful at this moment. And I thought that was an interesting way to frame it. But he said, I must say, I'm struggling with people's moral equivalency still. Um, and he had Jordan Peterson and Pamela Paul on, uh, which so it was kind of an interesting panel. He, and then he said he actually then turned to Barack Obama. Right. So he's like, I'm con- I'm not understanding this moral equivalency. And he said, Barack Obama, who has rarely disappointed me, did so this week. So he made it clear he was disappointed. Mm-hmm. And the issue that he had was with that moral equivalency, as though acting as though what happened, what's happening with Israel's response is anything like the horrific eight-hour-long attack on civilians that left 1,400 people dead, babies murdered, right? You know, comparing these two things in any way it's not a fair comparison. And so that was that was his frustration. He said there's a big difference between collateral damage and what Hamas did. And he didn't stop there. He, he had plenty of other things to say um, as well. He said, when they fired at Israel, it's war. When Israel fires back, it's a war crime. A little yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is. And like the, John Oliver, the you know liberal comedian who's really just a politician and he swears for laugh tracks on, on his political points, but he did the same thing and said, look, everybody, it's complicated. Everybody's complicit in this and Americans paid for the guns and the missiles that uh, Israel is shooting over. And it's like, well, so what? Hamas is the one that's making them have to shoot back. This is all on Hamas. Hamas are terrorists. They're making no bones about this in the Washington Post article that the intelligence they're finding off of these dead terrorists that invaded Israel shows just how evil they are. This is exactly what they planned to even walk remotely close to the ledge of comparing these two entities as the same, meaning Israel and Hamas is just so wrong on so many levels. And you can see why the frustrations mounting when people have to watch comments like this from the former president, from commentators like John Oliver they're hearing this, and it's like, are you watching the same thing? These are terrorists. Well, it's not just are you watching what's happening. It's also are you using your brain because yeah. one side, and we talked about this on the show. We, I feel like we have to say this every day, and I think to. it's important to say. You have a group of people, Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah, plenty of others who say Israel should not exist. They should be wiped off the map. They should all be killed and murdered. They have no right to that land. And then you have another country saying, well, you know, we're open to a two-state solution if people would stop attacking us and killing right. us. It's, I mean, there's, you cannot rationalize with people no. who want to murder you. This is Adolf Hitler style. It is. Right? I, I mean, yeah, I completely agree. And I'll just make one note. I encourage you to watch, and I'll put it in the link, the, the Washington Post article about this intelligence. They found copies in Arabic of Mein Kampf among the belongings of these terrorists. So to give you this idea of this mindset that they want to wipe Israel off the map, you can't negotiate with that. And also, Israel was letting some some of the intelligence. They got people saying, how did the intelligence fail and there was a number of ways this article addresses that they that they did that. But 
Israel, out of being kind, was allowing some 20,000 Palestinians from Gaza to come and have work permits for the day in southern Israel, and then they'd go back to live in Gaza. So they were allowing them to do this so they could actually make some money because Gaza is just horrible and there's no economy there because the terrorists have ruined it. Well, those people then turned around, probably forced by threat by Hamas, but then were used to gather intelligence while they were in there on locations and the kibbutzes and things like that, and then brought it back. So to your point, we're dealing with two totally different. One, a humanitarian type country, even though they get accused of being terrorists, and then you have actual terrorists. And then they're tr and then when people try to equate these two afterwards, it's just disgusting, really. Well, and, and Bill Maher brought this up, by the way, and, and I think it's important we, we mentioned this before we you know get off of the story here, but he's, he said, look, Israel's pausing, as he was recording this, there was, they paused for civilian evacuations, right? They were pausing to allow people to evacuate. And he said, this is a notable act because Hamas started this war. And then he pondered, would Hamas give any such pausing to yeah. the carnage? Would they pause if the roles were reversed? And obviously he's like, no, they wouldn't. No, I no, mean, nobody'd so, call for it. Nobody'd even right. call for it. And that's, that is the impossible situation Israel is constantly in. They are held to a standard that we don't hold terrorists to. I yeah. mean, it is remarkable. It's ridiculous. Absolutely remarkable. And uh, yeah, exactly why this rally today is necessary. Because people apparently are really getting misinformation that nobody seems to be worried about anymore, even though they were worried about it uh, just a couple of years ago. So appreciate you bringing that one to the table today, Billy. We're going to move over to the main thing now. And is God real? That is the question that author Lee Strobel asks and investigates in his new book by the same title. Billy sat down with him recently to discuss the proofs of God and the Bible. That's today's main thing. Lee Strobel, as always, it is wonderful having you on. You have a new book coming out, Is God Real? I love the simplicity of that title. And you've done everything. You've investigated faith, the case for Christ, miracles, heaven. What brought you to this project? Well, it was a little bit unusual because typically I go to the publisher with an idea that I believe God's laid on my heart, a book to write. Uh, but in this case, they came to me. And the publisher said, we discovered something interesting. And I said, what? And they said, we found that 200 times a second around the clock, someone on planet Earth is typing into a computer search engine, basically the question, is God real? And they said, why don't you do a book addressing that? I said, that's a great idea. And, and so I kind of focused uh, my research on that issue. What is the evidence from science, from history, from philosophy that points toward the truth of Christianity? How do we know that other worldviews uh, you know, don't match up with the Christian worldview. Uh, how do we know the resurrection is true and so forth? And then I deal with two of the big objections to the faith. So I love doing this project because I think it reflects a, a real curiosity in our culture about who God is. Yeah. And, you know, you, you brought that word culture up. And I think we've spent a lot of time, you know, especially in the Christian space of late, really worried about culture because we're watching it. We're seeing what's going on and there's a lot of panic and the numbers yeah. show people are leaving. Right. Or, or yeah. they're at least nominal people are leaving. But at the same time, you're watching, just like you said, people are searching. Right. Yeah. They're, they're looking. Right. Does God exist? What, yeah. Talk about that. Talk about that dichotomy. Yeah, you're right. There is a dichotomy there. Uh, on the one hand, we see, you know, when I was in high school back in the 1960s, 
the percentage of American adults who believed in God was 98%. Today, that's plummeted to 81%. I mean, it's never been that low. Um, and if you ask people, are you sure that God exists? Only 64% say yes. Um, and so we have, and, and then you look at Generation Z, younger people, and you see it's kind of the first post-Christian generation. Uh, they're very comfortable, for instance, with the idea of atheism and being called an atheist. In fact, uh, twice as many members of Generation Z call themselves atheists as members of my generation. So, um, and of course, that's led to all kinds of issues with depression, with loneliness, with anxiety that we've seen reports on. But on the positive side, um, we see that two thirds or no, three quarters of American adults say they want to grow spiritually. And nearly half of American adults say that they are more open to God today than they were before the pandemic. And even among millennials, they say, um, it, it, you know, the percentage, three quarters of them are saying, um, um, I, I'm searching for purpose in life. I'm, I, I want to discover what, what life is about, the meaning of life. So I look at those findings and say, well, you know, there's some hope here. Uh, if people are truly open to investigating, to checking things out, as I did when I was an atheist many years ago, um, that's a good thing because the evidence does point in the direction of Christianity being true. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the influx of information. I think one of the challenges that we've had yeah. with culture is that there's so much information coming at people. There's no coincidence to me that when you take a graph out and you look back to the year 2000 to now, that we've seen these declines because people are being really just hammered with all sorts of secular information and news and Hollywood content. Yeah. And yet, here you are with a book like this, you know, great timing, but you're also making films. You know, you're out there telling your story and the gospel story in different ways. And I think we need to be doing more of that to sort of counter this, because as you're saying, yeah. people are interested. They, they want to know the truth. Yeah. They're just getting confused in the mix of all that's going on. That's a good way to put it, confused, uh, confusion. You know, we're seeing all sorts of outdated, inaccurate, crazy stuff coming from an atheist perspective that's just flooding the internet. Claims and allegations and assertions that have been long disproven by Christians uh, for, for decades, if not even a century, and yet they're presented as if they're fresh objections. And the average person doesn't know that these things have already been answered, that there's, there's uh, a compelling affirmative evidence toward the existence of God. So you can't blame them. As you say, they're getting inundated with information. So you're right. I think it's incumbent on Christians to kind of take uh, 1 Peter 3.15 into the 21st century to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have and to do it gently and respectfully. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at this, you know, conversation and you hear so many people on the secular side, they'll say, there's no proof of God. There's no evidence of God. And you've just spent, I mean, you have spent countless years investigating all of this. And yet here, right. when it comes specifically to God, how do you respond to those blanket claims of there just being absolutely no evidence that he exists? I, I think the one thing that cannot be said by anybody legitimately is there is no evidence for God. You can say, I don't believe the evidence. You can say, I reject that evidence. You can say, um, I'm smarter than that evidence. But we can't say that there is no evidence. There's, I mean, it's an absurd assertion. So I think the question becomes, okay, if there is evidence, let's assess it. Let's look at it. And we've been really fortunate to live at a time when in the last 50 to 80 years, we've had a series of scientific discoveries in the area of cosmology, the origin of the universe, physics, the fine tuning of the universe, 
uh, biological information, DNA, and so forth, that points compellingly toward not just the existence of a creator, but a creator who happens to match a description of the God of the Bible. Well, and then you look at the archaeology, the evidence that continues yeah. to come out. And that's so fascinating to me that, you know, obviously going over to Israel, digging and looking and finding things yes. that match up to what Scripture tells us, right? That's a whole yeah. other layer oh. of this that is so Absolutely. fascinating. Absolutely. You know, there's been times when, for instance, atheists used to say in recent times, um, they would say, oh, you know, Nazareth didn't really exist in the first century. And um, that was that was made up. And, and uh, that just shows that the Bible is inaccurate. Well, just a few years ago, archaeologists digging beneath a, um, um, a chapel um, discovered a house from the first century in what was then the area of Nazareth. And uh, it was, in fact, a Jewish household. They could tell from, from what they discovered in it. Um, and, then, and then shortly thereafter, they found another house right down the block. So, you know, archaeology has now disproven that claim by atheists and shown that Nazareth did exist, just as the Bible says, in the first uh, century. The other claim that's often made by atheists is that, oh, you know, the reason that Jesus' tomb was empty was because uh, they didn't bury crucifixion victims, uh, execution victims in the Roman Empire. The bodies were thrown to the dogs. So that's why the tomb was empty. Um, you know, well, archaeology, again, disproved that because they have discovered the buried remains of crucifixion victims. One person had the um, um, spike still driven through his heel bone and pieces of the olive wood of the cross still attached. So um, it shows that indeed, and it is true, under Roman custom and Roman law, uh, there were instances where execution victims could and were buried. So again, you're right, archaeology has, uh, points toward the truth of the Gospels. All right, Billy, thanks for that interview there. It's great to listen to that when he goes through all those things that he's investigated. It's really cool, really cool. And just another reason why Israel's awesome. I mean, you just hear him talking about uh, Nazareth and that whole story. It's fantastic. Yeah, and he does such a great job of just bringing the truth together, like putting the yeah. puzzle pieces together to make it make sense. Yeah, so great. I love it. Great stuff there. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to have time here on the pod for one last thing today. Going to take a look at Acts 2.38, which reads, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there you go. It's simple. Once you realize that the Lord is indeed who he says he is, just repent of your sins and go get yourself baptized. Now that is that is good. I love it. We need yeah. that message today. Here we go. Get back to the basics. All right. That's where we're going to leave it today. We're going to head out and do this uh, live stream here. So make sure you get on over to that as well over on the CBN News YouTube channel. All right. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.